If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 162 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, and also the first true off-season 2022 episode, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on November the 6th, 2022. And like I said, yeah, it's the first official 2022 off-season episode of Yapping Yankees, guys, and I gotta tell you, aside from phenomenal weather here in New York of late, I'm not in the best of moods. <laughs> I had to get a million updates last night about the freaking Astros winning, whatever. I got even people telling me, oh, you gotta be happy for Dusty and this and that. Listen, I'll be happy for Dusty later. Right now, I am not capable of feeling any sort of happiness for that organization. Call it being bitter or envious or jealous. Yeah, I guess I am, because I'd like my team to win a championship too. Is that so wrong? (laughs) I'm tired of losing to these freaking guys. So, Right now, just give me a little time to iron it over. I'll never be happy for the Astros overall, but let me be happy for Dusty later, okay? Right now, it's not really possible for me to feel any sort of happiness for anybody, all right? I'm just really bitter about 2022 baseball and had to get notifications about them winning because I didn't even watch the end of the game. Just whatever. Obviously, on Friday, I also had to listen to Boone and Cashman's press conferences and... It contained a lot of the usual nonsensical crap that we're all used to by now, year in and year out. What the hell else is new? (laughs) We'll get into that a bit later. And last night, the sham known as Daylight Savings ending last night, and I'm recording in the 7 o'clock hour right now here on Sunday, and it was pitch black outside over two hours ago already. (sighs) Not in the best of moods, like I said. Baseball's gone. I'm over 2022 baseball. It's been pitch dark outside for over two hours because of the freaking time change. Boone and Cashman, Astros winning. Just go down the list on reasons that I have to not be in the best of moods today. But all that aside, it pains me a great deal to have to say this at all, let alone have to start the episode with this. But before we get into all the other wonderful details about the press conference and prepping even more for this offseason that's now officially arrived following the conclusion of the World Series last night, and plenty has already begun around the league with people's contract options not being picked up or being picked up by their organizations or guys opting out or not, including Anthony Rizzo and the Yankees opting out today, for instance, no surprise there. But again, before we get into any of that discussion, I wanted to start the show out on a bit more of a serious note today because of something that happened very recently, just this past week. I wanted to do a tribute at the beginning of today's episode for a dear friend and very loyal listener, fan, supporter, 
any other word you want to use for somebody who really follows along closely with everything you do and is a very big cheerleader for you and just roots for you, whether you're in a good place or a bad place, it doesn't matter. And that's a friend of mine by the name of Rob. And Rob, you may or may not have heard me read out his social media replies to my social media segments throughout basically the entire time that I've been doing Yapping Yankees for about three and a half years now. And he was a big, big supporter of mine. Big supporter of the show. And a very good friend. Got to know him over Twitter. We interacted so much over the years. And he just meant a lot to me. Like a lot of people out there do. But he even, he and I had a lot of interaction. And he was always so good to me. So nice. And such a big, big supporter. Like I said, such a big cheerleader for me. And he engaged in the podcast. He always kept pushing me forward. Because there have been times where I've been down on doing this show. And people like him have always been a big help in pushing me forward. Just making me remember why I do this and just, you know, encouraging me to just keep on pursuing the grind because it's always working for me. You know, during the week I got my main job that takes up nearly all of my time. Saturday, most of the time, maybe, maybe sometimes I'll have breathing room, but I'm st- I still put out a lot of my plans for Saturdays because it's really the only day I have to breathe. So sometimes on Saturday I get to relax and then today I do the show on Sundays. And I still get some time on Sundays to kick my feet up at times because it doesn't take me, you know, the entire day to do this thing. But point is, most of, if not all the days of the week, I'm always doing some sort of work. And there are a lot of other people like me and I give them credit too because this isn't an easy way to be, you know. A lot of people's lives are just vacations. That's not how people like me, it's not the kind of cloth that we're cut from. It's not. And I have my rough times like anybody does. And people like Rob were always there for me to help push me forward, remind me to just keep on moving forward, just keep going. And this past week, after a long battle with cancer... My friend Rob has officially passed away, and he was only in his early 50s. And I was really saddened to hear about this, and I was really dreading having to do this today because this news really just left me heartbroken. He had been fighting cancer for the better part of the last two years, I believe, and it seemed like he was really powering through it powering through the treatment, the pain, the whole thing, even though he was really struggling with it. And it was really inspiring to watch because it's inspiring to watch anybody just try to fight through the difficulty and what I imagine a great deal of trauma that comes with having to have cancer and fight it and try to overcome it. I can't even imagine. And he succumbed to it, unfortunately this past week, and it really just, it hit me really badly. I lost a really good friend, I lost a huge fan, and I just wanted to say, Rob, God bless you, I'm going to miss you, pal, and uh, I'm dedicating this episode to you. This episode is dedicated to my friend Rob, who is also the uncle of another dear friend of mine, 
who you also hear a great deal of in my social media segments, who is also a personal friend of mine in my personal life after originally meeting her on Twitter as well, Laura Eismont, giving her a shout out as well. I'm sure she'll be in today's social media segment as well. (laughs) And Rob was her uncle. I didn't even know that until I was already friends with Rob and Laura for a long time that they were even related. (laughs) And just want Laura and her entire family to know, as well as Rob, if he's somewhere, you know, you never know, the afterlife, that this episode is dedicated to him. So rest in peace, Rob. You certainly earned your rest, although it comes far too quickly. Only being in your early 50s, this freaking disease, man. This damn disease, cancer, swear. It's taken so many of my family members, so many loved ones of so many people all over the world, and now it's also taken my friend Rob, my dear friend, and a dear supporter and fan, listener of Yapping Yankees as well, and just all of my content, anything I do. And it's really sad. I'm really saddened by this. Gotta find a way to put this disease to rest instead of putting people to rest as a result of it. And all of them. Pancreatic cancer, lung cancer, stomach cancer, colon cancer, any cancer in reproductive organs for men or women, I don't care where it is. Brain cancer. Just gotta find a way to get rid of all of it. Horrible disease, man. Horrible. Taking people way too soon. And in excruciating fashion at that, the way you see certain people, the condition they're in in the end. Oh my god, it's so terrible. So terrible. So Rob, rest in peace, my man. I'm going to miss you. A lot of people are going to miss you. My prayers go out to Rob's family, Laura, and everybody else. And I wanted to do this little tribute to Rob and dedicate this episode to him. Because that's what he deserves. And that's what he meant to me being such a big fan of mine and being a really good friend to me and lots of other people. And to those who are a big part of Yankees Twitter, you may already know Rob, and I'm planning on putting a big tweet up about him maybe tomorrow, on Monday perhaps. It's tough for me to even do this now because I had a respect I wanted to let some time pass for the family and everything, but I'm sure they'll be okay with this. So, rest in peace, buddy. We love you. We'll never forget you here on Yapping Yankees. Your friends and loved ones, of course, on a personal basis will never forget you. And we love you, man. And I hope you rest easy. Because God knows you've earned it after the way you fought. (sighs) I hate doing things like that, guys. I really do. I hate hearing about people passing away in their 50s. Or maybe even younger. Hell, back then in the 40s, even though there was obviously no medicine or any treatment at all back then, like 80 years ago. But even my great-grandfather, whose name was also Mike Scudero, he died at 37 from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it's just, it's horrible hearing these stories. And for Rob's sake and for everybody else's sake who has fallen victim to this devilish disease, because that's what it is. Always hear people saying F cancer and cancer sucks. It's all true. The best thing we could do for those who have had to succumb to it and just for those still fighting it even, for the people who still haven't or are still fighting, is just find a way to just eradicate it altogether. 
so hopefully everybody out there prays for Rob and, and his entire family. Because from what I've met of them, they're very good people. And they certainly don't deserve this. Rob didn't deserve this. So We do still have a Yapping Yankees episode to do, though, today, my friends. And I'm sure that as much as anybody, Rob would want me to just move on right along and just get to it. So in honor of Rob, why don't we do that? So today, got a lot to talk about despite all the negative. Because last night, yeah, the Astros did win. Congrats, I guess. <laughs> whatever. Like I said earlier, whatever, man. Big credit to the Phillies. They were definitely the fairy tale story out of the National League this year. And like I've said, the National League has definitely had its share the last few years. It's definitely had its share of some really cool fairy tale stories out of there. Some really just out of nowhere random teams that you never would have expected in those respective seasons making it to the World Series, like the Phillies this year. The Braves last year, in 2019, the Nationals, 2016, the Cubs breaking their 108-year curse. So the last six, seven years have been filled with a lot of things that I don't think any of us expected, even going into those respective playoffs out of the National League. Unfortunately, this time the Phillies couldn't get the job done, at least unfortunately from the eyes of a Yankee fan, because I think we all know which team we wanted to win here in the Yankee fan base, but... It was not meant to be. The Astros were just... Listen, like I said last week, out of all the things, the positive things you have to say about the Astros, as much as it feels like vinegar leaving the mouth, the truth, what are you going to do? Deny reality as much as you hate it? And trust me, I hate it. But the Astros were just better than everybody. They were better than the Yankees. They were better than the Phillies. They were better than the Mariners. Just better than everybody. So they won their second title. Since uh, since 2017, some people would consider it their first because they don't count 2017 in their heads, but whether we like it or not, 2017, in the eyes of Major League Baseball at least, they count it as a championship, so it's their second one since then. And after that, after they won, I was just basically like, you know what? Like I said earlier in the episode, I'm just over 2022 baseball, man. Between how things ended with the Yankees and... And just how things went at the press conferences the other day and the Astros finishing it off with a title after everything. It's just, it's just, I'm over baseball this year, man. And that takes a lot for me to say that because a lot of you out there know how much I love baseball. It is my life. It is my heart. It's my everything. And I just looked at the TV last night when I was watching the post games and the recaps of the World Series and everything. I was like, I'm just over this. Just teleport me to 2023 and let's get going with next season already because I'm done. Like, finished. Tapping out. Thrown in the towel. Whatever expression you want to use for being done. Just over it. So, the Astros won. And speaking of the press conferences, I guess we can get to that now. So, on Friday when I was still home in the morning, I was just mentally preparing to hear a lot of the same crap that we've heard for so many years after the Yankees have just continued to continually come up short year after year after year after year after year after year from Boone and Cashman. And one thing that was basically confirmed without officially being confirmed to all of us is the fact that, well, we already knew that Boone was going to be back 
for next year because Hal Steinbrenner, like I already confirmed on last week's episode, basically had already said that more or less that Boone was coming back. So that's that. But in case you had any doubts about Cashman, I mean, before he even said a word in Friday's press conference, it basically more or less confirmed that he was coming back for next year because in case you didn't already realize it, like we've, like we've said for years now, Cashman's contract expired already. As of right now, and even more so confirmed by him in this press conference when asked if there was any new contract on the table, if anything was accepted with Hal Steinbrenner as of yet to come back as the Yankee GM, Cashman said no. So even further confirmed by saying that, Cashman isn't even officially the Yankees general manager right now. <laughs> yet, he gave a press conference on Friday as the Yankees general manager. So for anybody who had any doubt going into Friday as to who the Yankees general manager is going to be for 2023 and for however many years after that, well, your doubts should have been answered from here. Because I don't know many other organizations, if any, that would have their GM whose contract expired a few days prior to this press conference. I don't know really any other organization who would send that same guy out there to speak as if they were still the organization's general manager when officially, contractually, they are no longer that. It's bizarre. And that just basically confirms what we've all been saying forever now. No matter how much we want him gone, and you know it because I've said for the last week or two, and I've said it for even a little bit before that, that I have officially been on the get rid of Cashman train, but we could get on that train as much as we want, guys. It ain't going to change a damn thing because he's not going anywhere. And despite me preaching that I want him gone, I have acknowledged the reality of it, knowing how much he means to the Yankees organization, the Steinbrenners. He's basically a Steinbrenner. They've even said that all over Sports Talk Radio that Cashman might as well change his last name to Steinbrenner. He's basically a part of the family. And Hal Steinbrenner is perfectly content with giving him the keys to the castle. And Friday confirmed that even more so. He gave a press conference basically as the Yankees general manager when contractually he is no longer the Yankees general manager. So like we've all been saying, whether you want him gone or not, this man, especially after Friday, without it being officially confirmed, basically confirmed that he is going nowhere. So get used to seeing our boy Cashman around and get ready to plunge your head through drywall if you're not okay with it because he is going nowhere. He's sticking around. And it upsets me because, like I've said, I really do believe that this organization could use a new face and a fresh start. And enough of this process crap. And that's really what this press conference contained. As if any of us expected anything different. I mean, upon hearing it, it still aggravated most people like myself. Because it's still annoying to listen to. Just because you expect it doesn't mean it's still not going to frustrate you. It's still frustrating to listen to because it's a bunch of crap. But please, hearing from everything with Boone to uh, from IKF, still talking about him as if he was one of the best defenders in the league and still choosing to die on this hill. And trust me, I don't want to single out IKF here because the Yankees had a lot more problems than just him. 
We know that. But in the Boone interview, IKF ended up being a major point of discussion. So I feel like anybody who's recapping the press conferences kind of has to hit on that at least a little bit. So I'm doing the same thing. Even though I was tough on IKF for a great deal of the season, I know. But if you also listen to me closely, you would also know that I also majorly blamed the Yankees for that because they were trying to force the issue with having him play a position that he clearly just was not efficient at. He's not a shortstop. And yet they kept on forcing the issue until they literally had no choice at the end. And in about half of the playoff games, they didn't even play him at shortstop or play him at all. So they even kind of came to terms, if you want to put it in, in parentheses, came to terms with their mistake. I mean, God forbid they'd be like the world champions, for instance, riding their rookie shortstop at short and played a big part in the playoffs in getting them to the World Series that they just won last night. God forbid the Yankees ride with their rookies and give them a shot. The Yankees... No, you got to keep forcing the issue with IKF and having Donaldson down at third base creating a logjam. That's what you got to do. That's what you have to do if you're the Yankees. Choosing to still die on this hill. And even something that Boone said really caught my attention. He even mentioned in the press conference at some point that when IKF was having a tough time in July defensively, that he even told the Yankees that he wasn't happy with his defense. So the guy who's playing defense himself, and Boone just played it off as, oh, IKF's being hard on himself. Shut up. (laughs) Enough. So the guy himself, who is the one playing shortstop, is going to the organization and saying that he's not happy with his defense. Yet they even get into his ear and basically tell him, ah, it's all good, just keep on playing there. Keep on forcing the issue. That's their problem. The answers are right there, and they claim that they have the, the analytics, the numbers to support it. What analytics? The only stat that I saw that is somewhat respectable for IKF is his DRS, defensive run saved. But made a ton of errors. You take a look at his OAA, outs above average. All the other defensive metrics, most of them are around average or, or significantly below average. What are we looking at here? Like, what exactly are we looking at? And Boone's thing was, oh, you know, his ability to get the ball and make a throw. How many bad throws did he make? Yeah, he did He did a decent job getting to most balls. But, I mean, come on. I mean, the playoffs said all that that needed to be said let alone all the other struggles that he had throughout the year. And by the way, I also mentioned this a week or two ago. Don't forget all the times that the official scores saved IKF from having more errors. There were plenty of times where there was a play at shortstop that was not made, and the official scores gave whoever whoever hit it, they gave him a hit, and didn't give IKF the error. There were a lot of times with the official scores, and if you watched every game like I do, you'll remember a lot of those instances, maybe not specifically, but you will remember that there were a lot of times that IKF was bailed out from being given an error. So you got to factor that in too. If you gave him all those deserved errors, his numbers would be even worse. And he himself even went to the Yankees and said he wasn't happy with the shortstop defense at one point. What else need be said, guys? 
I mean, I hear people, although all, I even went out to dinner with certain family members last night and they were like, oh, you know, it's the analytics. Analytics are bad. No, <laughs> like you got to be able to balance old and new school. Yes. And analytics and numbers have always been, always are, and will always continue to be a vital and crucial part of baseball. Got to look at a guy's numbers. And yes, numbers are probably more prevalent in baseball than any other sport, but they're also around in all other sports. You got to look at the numbers. You got to balance everything to try to get as clear a picture of the big picture as you possibly can. It's not the analytics that are a problem. It's the Yankees analytics that are the problem, people. All the data that they claim to have that ends up biting them in the ass ultimately every single time. It's the Yankees analytics. They are given and use bad information. That's their problem. And where does that come from? Well, the Yankees have a million different departments. Who the hell knows? Whether it comes from the people put in there by Cashman in the front office or what, which is part of the reason why I definitely think that the Yankees can afford to have a new face in the GM role. Maybe that'll change certain things with the analytics department and the information department or whatever the hell. But that's the Yankees' problem, guys. Information. The Yankees get and use bad information. It's not the information overall. It's just sitting there waiting to be consumed and utilized or not utilized. And all of the world champions the past number of years have been heavily analytical. They mention it all the time. How all of the organizations, the Astros, even the Dodgers back in 2020, the Nationals, they all used, in 2019, they all used a good amount of analytics. They're vastly analytical. So are the Yankees. What's the difference? It doesn't work for the Yankees. Almost ever. And they just choose to, when they decide that something is the way it is, they will not yield. They will not change. So what kind of a problem does that seem like? The numbers overall or the numbers and information the Yankees are using? The answer is the latter, people. We've spoken about this so many times. Everything that we speak about this offseason, about what the problem with the Yankees is and what they should or shouldn't do, in some capacity or another, it's all already been said. We understand it. They don't. And as long as they don't, then nothing's going to change because they're the ones running their ship. I mean, they're the ones. If they don't realize it, then what's going to change? And it just seems like in this press conference, a lot of the same crap that was being spewed to us for months, even throughout, all the way up until they failed again, came up short, is still being spewed. And it seems like a lot of the same people, Boone and Cashman, just a couple of them especially, will be returning. So what exactly is going to change for 2023, you might be asking yourself. I asked myself it. Every Yankee fan has. Every single one. And my answer is, unfortunately, I don't really think that much will change. And that's really upsetting to me. I want the Yankees to win as much as anybody, guys. But when the writing is on the wall, I mean, what can you say? And I'm kind of glad that the presser was happening. I even tweeted this, but I was kind of glad at the time that the presser was happening because, I mean, you might as well just continue to get all of the tone deafness, the denial of reality, 
and the lack of accountability as well, even more out in the open. Just get it out there. And I want to believe in 2023 as much as the next guy, like I just said, but those who do already believe and are really optimistic, and yes, I understand anything can happen until it actually happens. Yes, I understand, but I'm envious of the people who are just full throttle, ready to go for 2023 and optimistic that that Yankee team can actually win. I'm envious. But, I mean, basically the feeling that I had after watching that press conference on Friday with both Boone and Cashman, I mean, the word that I used, the expression that I used to describe it was alarming at best. At best. It's nothing to be excited about whatsoever, what we heard in those pressers. I mean, there were some things that were said that gave me a little bit of hope, like them not necessarily confirming that IKF would be the starting shortstop again next year, which I I think would just expose how the Yankees are just, again, not serious about anything. They did give some sort of a hope that there would at least be competition there, and I also do understand that guys like Boone and even Cashman himself before any moves are to officially happen will just really comment on the active roster and who is still there. Like, Donaldson, as much as we hate it, is still under contract for one more year. So, even if they do end up doing something with him and making sure he's not here next year, they might still say, as of now, that he's going to be the starting third baseman because he's the one still here. They said the same thing when, like, before Gio got traded for third base, asking him what the deal is going to be for third base. They said, oh, Gio. Before Voight got traded, oh, Voight's still going to be there. Before much of anybody left, even even before they started to play Aaron Hicks much less. They're like, oh, you know, Hicks is still playing a big part in this team. They even mentioned Hicks still playing a big part of it in this press conference on Friday after everything. Talk about, oh, filling his role and, oh, he's going to be out and, you know, hopefully, you know, he'll still play a big part next year. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> I mean, like I said, you expect these things especially with guys still actively on the roster and under contract, but still, it doesn't make it any less irritating to listen to. So it's just tone deafness. Again, even them even them saying how much, you know, how Steinbrenner cares about giving the Yankee fans a championship and putting a winning product out in the field for them. Don't give me that crap. Just spare me all of that. Hal Steinbrenner cares about one thing. And I'll give you a hint. It has to do with a dollar sign. And it's green. And it has a lot of founding fathers on the front of it. Give me a break. Just spare me all that. But hearing that, you know, continuing to just die on the hill that IKF was a top defender at shortstop. And when asked about it, just stumbling over his words all the time, Boone and everybody, when asked about it, because there are no answers. There's no supporting that claim. Like I've said when it comes to Boone and other guys, especially Boone, because he's just a mouthpiece for the organization. I understand that. It's unfortunate, but that's the way that it is. I would actually be curious to see how Boone would do by himself without the influence of anybody, just going off of his own managerial instincts. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day that we've also had many times already. But... I'm okay with and understand the notion that Boone and anybody else in the Yankees is not going to be throwing anybody else under any sort of bus. I understand that. 
But there is also such a thing as just thinking that people are stupid and thinking that they have any use for hearing what can just be described as blatant lies. Like all the claims from IKF or to anybody else on the team that you want to talk about. How much they quote-unquote value Aaron Hicks. Or how Donaldson has something else left to give with his bat. Something else that was said on Friday that almost maybe just want to throw myself off the roof. These are just things that are blatant lies. And there are ways to not throw somebody under the bus, but also not just egregiously lie. (laughs) You could just be more vague about it. Like all the time that mistakes are made in games, that the Yankees just refuse to acknowledge it and instead just continue to talk about how fantastic the guy is, even if he's been bad. Like you could just literally say that, yeah, we've had discussions about it and we're working on it. Like something vague like that. Not throwing anybody under the bus being very vague about it, but also not lying and saying, oh yeah, it was a great try. It was, it was, you know, a great play. He's still doing a great job overall. And that, no, nobody cares to hear that. And it's not true <laughs> because God forbid you go against the process. That's the word that you keep on hearing from Cashman and everybody else around as high of a role as he's at. Even with the Yankees' information and analytics department. The process, the process, the process. Guys, I got news for you. The process is broken. It's been broken for a long time. And you could blame it on guys getting hurt all you want. Yeah, injuries might have played a role. A role. Yes. Certain key guys missing in Benintendi and DJ. Yankees didn't have a leadoff hitter. A guy like Scott Efros out in the bullpen. Yeah. Pretty big loss. Michael King's not out there. Yeah, really big loss. You have to go without him for months. But you're the Yankees and you got to figure it out. I know that's easier said than done and some people may be like, oh, you just can't say that. Well, why not? You're the Yankees with all the resources that you have. With all the great information that you claim to have. With all the people that you have down in the minors that you always talk up so much. And you want to talk up about how you know so much about the kids, yet you always seem to botch their development in some way or another. And then when you do call them up, just because of service time or whatever else you feel like manipulating, you don't even use them in the right way. Your process is broken. I know a lot of people who just constantly defend the Yankees, and I defend the Yankees when it's warranted. But I also am the first one to call out the crap when it needs to be called out. And that's just how things have been handled for a number of years now. The process is no good. You need to be willing to look at other information and not just constantly refuse change and turn away from needed change. Maybe look at other numbers that, God forbid, maybe show you something that you're not a fan of and maybe do what's better for the team as a result. And it just seems like something that the Yankees are just incapable of doing. And there was even a point where I I believe it was Sweeney Murdy even asked Cashman. I mean, this is just the denial of reality part. I mean, asking him that, oh, you know, certain guys are fired, like coaches, anyone on the staff, are fired based off of results. And if you look at the results of the Yankees, it has not been 
what the mission statement claims it always is, wanting to win a world championship. And yet they would rather talk about, you know, just constantly having winning seasons, which yes, should be admired, especially for the amount of time it's gone on for the Yankees last 30 or so years. It is impressive. But the goal is to win the World Series. That's the goal that they always claim to put out for themselves every year. Yet at the end, they always find themselves making some sort of an excuse or giving themselves some mental moral victory, which ironically, again, the Yankees' Twitter page posted at the beginning of the playoffs that they wouldn't have any of that. Yet they're the first ones going up there and giving themselves pats on the back for the few positives that they did have and talking about how injuries were the main reason they didn't make it. All the while also talking about the fact that a roof being open deflated them in Game 2. Being the only reason, as if they didn't just get done striking out 30 times in two days. So much for that post, huh? But just hearing all of these just excuses and falsehoods. Yeah, the roof being open maybe affect judges... Fly ball in game two? Yeah, it might have. But how about also not striking out 30 times? Did injuries play a role? Not having a leadoff hitter with Benintendi and DJ being out and also guys out in the bullpen like King and Efros not being there? Yeah, that hurt some things. But how about the rest of the guys who were there? How about the left side of the infield that you chose to live and die by until the very end that did next to nothing in the playoffs, even really hurt the Yankees' chances, like, oh, we didn't all see that coming. How about everybody else who was there that just didn't do their job? How about you not using your rookie shortstop, who, in the time that he did play, did a fantastic job both offensively and defensively, just not using him all the times that you could have? And having to, again, just sit the guy that you just lived and died by for months in IKF, and then just in the end, just deciding, oh yeah, we we can't play him as often anymore. Because even you sort of realize your own foolishness in the end. It's just a clown show. You see it every year in the playoffs. Every single year. Injuries play a role? Yeah. Was it the only thing? Absolutely not. Other guys still have to do their jobs and not strike out 30 times in two days and blow a ton of scoring opportunities or not even get any scoring opportunities at all. And other pitchers have to step up. Other teams deal with injuries too. It's a part of sports. And I realize it happens at a higher volume with the Yankees than most. But other teams deal with it plenty too. And they still have to fight their way through it. It's a part of the game. Guys get hurt. So the press conference basically just had a bunch of frustrations boil back up to the surface. All the tone deafness with saying how much how Steinbrenner wants to put a champion on the field and wants to give the fans a victory and just choosing to die on the hills that are just completely false. And the lack of accountability. Cashman still going up there as arrogant as ever, as if his process has proven to work at all the last few years in accomplishing what they claim to want to accomplish in the championship. And just basically saying that injuries were the only reason that they didn't go all the way. I just don't have any use to listen to any of it. I really don't. And the denial of reality part, I believe this is a thought that I had before that I didn't really get through because I'm just going on a tangent here, of course. 
like any Yankee fan did after hearing that on Friday. But there was even one point where I believe it was Sweeney Murdy saying, you know, coaches, anyone on staff usually get fired sometimes just based on results. Even if it's at the beginning part of a, of any season or anything like that. And Cashman, after hearing that, basically said, no, I don't think that's true. Like, dude, it happens all the time. Not just in baseball, but in all sports. I mean, just because this organization refuses to accept change, that might help it. And just because it seems like job security in this organization's front office is just bulletproof, no matter what happens, doesn't mean that that's how other organizations do things, because that happens all the time. Coaches, managers, staff members, always fired based on results, often time. I mean, it happened to the very manager that used to manage this team before Aaron Boone. This year, Joe Girardi with the Phillies didn't get off to the start they wanted. They fired him. Even if you don't watch basketball, I don't even watch it that much. If you want to cross sports, how about we go to the Brooklyn Nets? The Brooklyn Nets, with how badly they've started record-wise and their whole fiasco on the team and everything. With all the Kyrie Irving and KD nonsense. Everything that's going on over there. The start they got off to? Awful. They fired Steve Nash's ass. It always happens, Cash. Just because it doesn't happen to you doesn't mean that in general it's not true that that's how it goes down. It goes down like that plenty. It just goes to show you how how many of their heads are just in the clouds because they don't have to face reality. They're all keeping their jobs. The Yankees bring in stupid money every year. They're content with going to the ALCS and losing. Because if they weren't, they wouldn't give the excuses they give. They wouldn't give themselves the moral victories that they do. Basically everything that they said they wouldn't give themselves in that stupid social media post a few weeks back. And I truly believe that as long as Cashman is around especially, that nothing's going to change. Yeah, they might have a good season again next year. But do I think they're going to win? Doubtful. Very doubtful. Even at the beginning of this season, especially after the commitment to IKF and Donaldson back in March, when this season was about to to start, I had people ask me, what do you think the Yankees are going to do? I said, oh, they'll finish towards the top of the division. I honestly didn't think they would finish in first. I thought they'd maybe finish in second again. But they finished in first, but I said, they'll make the playoffs. But even if they go far in it, they're not going to win. And that's, I don't know. It's just because it seems to be like it's something, it's something that we see year in, year out, guys. So how could you feel like anything's going to change when you just keep on Mostly running back the same thing over and over again. And now they're at an even more pivotal point this offseason. Because Aaron Judge is a free agent. Like I said before, Anthony Rizzo opted out. So if you lose those two guys, what the hell is going on here then? You got Benintendi as a free agent. You got the entire left side of your infield that needs to be reevaluated. Even some people talking about Glaber Torres going, which even as I said last week, I would not be crushed if that happens, and I still stand by that. And if you lose guys like Judge and or Rizzo, then what are you going to compete for then? I mean, people just take this organization even less seriously than they already do. 
and especially seeing Brian Cashman addressing the media as the Yankees general manager when he's technically not even the Yankees general manager right now. It just goes to show you that you feel like this guy's just going to have the job until he dies. I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. I mean, good for him for keeping a job this long, man. But there's no reason to believe that the Steinbrenners are ever going to say goodbye to him. They are very comfortable with having him there because he puts a team on that field, man. They have good seasons. They make it to the playoffs. They get that revenue. And that's what Hal cares about. So I also say that to all the people asking, oh, why doesn't Hal just sell if he doesn't care? Look at all the money that the Yankees rake in, dude. That's why he doesn't sell. Oh, he already has plenty of money. A lot of rich people already have plenty of money. Do they stop trying to get even more money? No. That's the way they work. And that's the way Hal works, too. It's the way the world works. As much as we all freaking despise it, that's the way it works. So, just a lot of the negative feelings just brought right back up to the surface about the organization upon watching these press conferences the other day. And I just want everybody to spare me of the, oh, what are they supposed to say? Crap. Put that, put that for somebody else. Put that on somebody else's tweet replies. I don't care to be told lies. I don't care for it. Like I said, I can be understanding about not wanting to throw certain people under the bus and going all doom and gloom, you know, woe is me, we suck, and this and that. You can't. I understand the Yankees are never going to do any of that. I understand that. I'm not stupid. I watched plenty of them for years now to know that that's not their style. But I'm also not going to be happy or be accepting of just being told straight up lies, which is what they do on the regular. And that's just, it's just constantly what they seem to feed everybody. Constantly. It's just a shame because this organization can really unlock its potential. They could use guys that need to be used and should be used in certain spots. And they could spend the money where it needs to be spent as opposed to spending it in areas that clearly are not going to work out. Like Josh Donaldson, for instance. Like Aaron Hicks, for instance. And they could really afford to sack up and eat a lot of this money because they're the Yankees. And they could just about afford anything. Anything they want. Don't let anybody try to convince you of otherwise. But no, they'd rather they'd rather stick by the information, the process. That IKF did a great job at shortstop. That Josh Donaldson still has plenty to give with the bat. That injuries are the only reason that they didn't accomplish their ultimate goal. That the roof was the reason for game two's loss. They can preach all of this stuff and all the other crap that they spew all that they want. But no matter how many times they say it, it will not become any more true than it already isn't. Their entire process is flawed. That's all there is to it, guys. That's really all there is to it. That's all there is to say at this point. That's all I have to say in the press conference without even getting into anything more specific because it's all the same things you've heard before. You know both of these guys are coming back. 
and you know certain changes may be made here or there, but with the mentality that continues to exist in this organization year in and year out that we've spoken about last year, the year before that, the year before that, and this winter even, that we've already spoken about or even yet to speak about, you don't even really need to go in-depth on it much more than that. In a lot of cases, that's just the way they feel, and it's not going to change. And they've made that more than clear. They're sticking to their guns. So the few bits of hope that I have to hang my hat on, really the main one that I recall, is the fact that they really didn't confirm that IKF was going to be the starting shortstop. They said that there could be some competition there. Well, if you want to do the right thing, here's what you do. Like I've said. If you want to talk about the infield, at least for now, here's what you do. You bring Anthony Rizzo back. Have him play first base. If Kleber goes, which as I said, wouldn't bother me too much, throw service time manipulation out the window. Why don't you try, if he's not ready for shortstop yet, then fine. You have Oswald Peraza, who looks perfectly ready for it anyway. Why don't you have Peraza be your starting shortstop next year? Why don't you have Volpe be your second baseman? And if not Volpe, then you have at least Oswaldo Cabrera start the year at second base, maybe. Have them man the middle until Volpe's ready. And then when DJ's back healthy, have DJ be the third baseman. Find a way to dump off Donaldson, whether it means eating all of or most of his money for the last year of his deal. Let IKF go if you're not going to bring him back as utility. Which again, like I said last week, I'd be fine with him being a utility guy. But I don't want him being a starter on this team. And have that be your infield. DJ at third base, Peraza at short, and Volpe and or Cabrera being your second baseman to start the year at least. If you want to have Volpe be down in the minors to start the year at least in 2023, fine. If you must do it, fine. But I believe in just calling the kid up and letting him succeed and or struggle. And find his way around because the kid killed it in AAA. So see where he's at. Play him a crap ton in spring training. And even if you don't want to start the year with him, fine. Put Cabrera there for a while. That's his specialty anyway. The infield. Stop playing guys vastly out of position. That's another habit this organization has gotten into the last bunch of years. That they need to break out of. Put guys in the positions they specialize in. And yeah, Cabrera had his his fair share of good moments in the outfield for sure, especially for someone who really didn't even play it at all prior. But let's just get rid of that habit. From what I'm told, Volpe primarily specializes in shortstop and second base. So if you got to try him out second base for a while, then you do that. Have DJ be your third baseman, keep Rizzo for first. There you go. Not a guarantee that it would work, of course. But would you rather have IKF starting out there again at shortstop in his quote-unquote placeholder role, even though Peraza looks ready, even though Cabrera is a young stud who seems ready, even though Volpe seems to be right on the cusp of being ready, you'd rather him trot out there to start at shortstop every single day, Donaldson be to his right over at third base again, just because he's got a good glove. Well, the Yankees will also tell you that he's got a lot left to give with the bat, too, and they have no idea why he just died offensively this year. 
No idea. And it is kind of baffling because in 2021, he didn't have a bad season. But the fact of the matter is, he's not getting any younger. Declines can happen at any point when you're Josh Donaldson's age. And it's foolish to be surprised by it when it does happen. Maybe this just happened to be the year where his decline truly begins. So that's all I have to say. But as long as they want to stick to their process, then expect a lot of the same thing, guys. That's my point. But regardless, process or not, the Yankees have their work cut out for them here. Because as of today, the World Series just ended yesterday, and like I said earlier, the action has already begun. It's already started. Because organizations are choosing to or not to pick up options on certain players. Guys are choosing to opt out or not opt out of their contracts. That have opt-outs. Anthony Rizzo being one of them. So Anthony Rizzo, along with multiple others on the Yankees, are officially free agents now. This list consists of Rizzo, Judge, Benintendi, Zach Britton, Matt Carpenter, Miguel Castro, Aroldis Chapman, Marwin Gonzalez, Chad Green, and Jameson Tyone. Now, Tyone seemed, it seems as if he's going to go. I don't know for sure, but I don't think it's nearly 100% that he's back with the Yankees. Chad Green, I'm not sure what they want to do with him because he's been off for a couple of years now, been majorly hurt. He just had Tommy John surgery this past year. So, he's a big question mark, Chad Green. I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be traumatized if they let him walk. I wouldn't be. I know some people want him back, see what he's got after Tommy John surgery, if he could be just a revitalized arm and be a big help out in the bullpen. Who knows? Marwin Gonzalez, let him go. Aroldis Chapman. <laughs> Don't even have to say anything. Miguel Castro, you let him go. Matt Carpenter, if you want to give him another shot. I mean, I know a lot of people were probably left with a bad taste in their mouth after the way that he was unfortunately just put into a bad situation in the playoffs, just had to go up against some of the league's best pitching after being out for months from fracturing his foot. That's really up to the Yankees. I don't really know what they should do there. Maybe just bring him back on a on a small one-year deal, perhaps. I wouldn't be totally opposed to that. At least keep him as a bench piece. Who knows? And you could run into him being... Activated into God mode again eventually. Who knows? Zach Britton, let him go. Benintendi, as I've expressed, is someone that I would like to bring back. So I would try to bring Andrew back. And Aaron Judge, of course. I'm a part of the signed Judge train, of course. So, maybe three guys, maybe four, on that entire list of free agents that I would even consider bringing back. So, that's just me personally. Uh, really quick Yankee news before we move on any further as well. Just a quick thing because some awards have begun to be given out. So far, it's mainly just like gold gloves and fielding Bible awards for now. But as far as gold gloves are concerned, a couple of Yankees did win. DJ LeMahieu won the gold glove for utility, which is a brand new category that came out. Winning the gold glove for a utility player because DJ played second, of course. He played a lot of third base. And he did miss a great deal of the season, especially towards the end, with injury, the one with his toe. But 
He still did do a terrific job with fielding, of course. And this past year, you may even remember down at third base, even though it's not his primary position, second base is, but he did a significantly better job at third base this year. And of course, he did a great job at his own position whenever he played there as well. But at third base, which was a doubtful position for him whenever the Yankees made him play there in 2021, he really must have practiced hard prior to this year for third base because whenever they had him play there in 2022, he was like a new fielder there. Did a terrific job. So, well-deserved for DJ. I'm glad he got the utility gold glove. Good for him. It was his fourth career gold glove. And Jose Trevino at catcher won a gold glove. It was his first career gold glove, so congratulations to him. Certainly a, a magnificent defender, so I definitely think he deserves that. Good for Trevino. And he also, Trevino did, won the Fielding Bible Award a couple of years ago or so, by the way, in case I didn't mention that already. So Trevino getting all of the Fielding Awards at catcher that he deserves, for sure. So... That was some award news that came out of late, particularly with gold gloves. And now after the conclusion of the World Series, as we know, other awards will continue to be given out in the coming weeks, including the MVP award. And I'm definitely sure a lot of people will be hovering over that mostly between Judge and Otani, even though we all know who the winner should be. So (laughs) I'll be continuing to give out that award news as well as the season goes along. So. I think that was definitely long enough of an intro, don't you think? (laughs) I knew I had more time with that, especially because there's no recapping anymore because Yankees are not playing anymore. It's the off-season time, guys. And as typical of any other off-season episode, the only thing left that we have to do today is a social media segment, which will be pretty quick because it's just a QA and a and I'm only going to answer a few of them because I don't want this episode to go on too long. It is just an off-season episode. But before we even get to that, I do have one more quick announcement that I would like to make about Yapping Yankees for this winter. So, going forward, as you know, in winters prior, been doing this show for three and a half years now, in 2023, in May or June, it'll be four years that I'm doing this show, and I've covered every season from May of 2019, virtually all of 2019, nearly all of it, all the way to now. And every year until now, I have still popped out an episode basically every single week, with the exception of a couple of weeks, in the off season, as I do during the regular season. That's going to change this winter. Not only because of the job that I have taking up so much of my time during the week that really made things difficult with doing this show all year long this year since I got the job back in March when I was promoted to run my entire radio station that I still run now eight months after my promotion. And I somehow was able to still pop out an episode nearly every single week this past season, which I'm glad I'm which I'm glad I did. I'm glad that it didn't interfere with Yapping Yankees to the point where I just couldn't do the show anymore. I just powered through it. But now since it's the off season and there's no baseball, and yes, stuff will happen. If something urgent happens, like really, really urgent, then I'll be sure to have it out to you as usual. But because of my job and the fact that, you know, this show's been around for years and I'm just doing the best I can to give myself a little bit of breathing room here and there as well, guys. And there's no baseball around now at this point. So my plan of approach in the winter here is that starting the weekend of Thanksgiving. So I'll still have an episode out to you next weekend. And also the one after that on the 20th, I believe. But starting Thanksgiving weekend, all the way until spring training begins, 
Yapping Yankees is going to become a bi-weekly show. So during the winter, I'm going to be putting out an episode every two weeks. Now, it's not because I have a shortage of content. Like I said, in winters prior, even during times where nothing was going on, even during COVID, when the season had to be canceled, and we weren't getting anything other than occasional updates from the league as to what the hell was going on. I still put out episodes that were real long and had plenty to discuss. So it's not for a lack of content or anything like that. It's because there's no baseball this time around. I've been doing the show for years. I have a really, really busy life in general. And I just think that this would be the right thing to do this year, and particularly for the offseason, just for, just for me. <laughs> so... That's going to be the plan of approach going forward for this winter, guys. I know it's probably not what you want to hear, but especially if you're a loyal Yapping Yankees listener, but hopefully it puts your mind at ease knowing that this is what's best for me, and I also think just best for the show. Now, if anything big comes out, like during the week on an approaching weekend where I plan on taking off, it's like that one off week, let's say Aaron Judge re-signs back, then I'll probably put an episode out that weekend. (laughs) So, like, if anything big happens, then I'll be back at you immediately. But if nothing's going on and it's quiet, then that's going to be the deal. So, every other week, you'll be getting Yapping Yankees episodes. So, that's the deal going forward until spring training begins towards the later part of February. I'm probably going to be taking off two weeks in a row for Christmas and New Year's because those are right next to each other and also on the 3rd. On January 3rd, right after that is my birthday as well, as a lot of you know. So that's a crammed time of the year for me. So those two weekends, especially because Christmas Day and New Year's Day both fall on Sundays (laughs) in the coming months. So those two weekends I'm probably going to take off consecutively, of course, unless anything major happens. Then I'll probably put out a quicker episode. But yeah, you guys get the deal. That's what the deal is going to be for the rest of the winter. All right. So now that that announcement is done with, and of course also if you guys have any questions, obviously you guys can just throw it my way, hit me up on social media, comment on on the Yapping Yankees releases, whether they be on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, hit me up however you can and you could ask me any questions you want. Alrighty, so this week's social media segment, let's blow through this. I'm only going to read through a few because we're already over an hour in here. I don't want to go too long. But... This week, considering it's been a little while since I've done this now, I figured I'd do a Q&A. So, you ask, I answer. Let's get started. We're only going to do a few. First up, we've got at Brian underscore TGP asking, do you believe the Yankees will be able to unload Hicks and Donaldson? The three years left on Aaron Hicks's deal and Josh being $25 million next year seem like big hurdles. <sighs> Will they be able to? I mean, the Yankees can be able to do anything they want. They could unload them if they want. They could, like I've said, they could eat all of or most of both of those contracts and find a way to package them off or just cut them if they're to eat their entire contracts. But will they do that? Probably not. So, will they? Probably not. Could they? Yeah, they could. Is it the right thing to do? Yeah, in both cases, that's definitely the right thing to do. You're dropping two vital pieces of dead weight because that's what they are for the Yankees. They are dead weight. So yeah, they're big hurdles in the eyes of the Yankees maybe, but in reality, no, they shouldn't be big hurdles. It should be an automatic. But that's not what they're going to do. Next, we have my friend James at Rebirth Chaos 9 asking, Would you trade Glaber Torres? And if so, what team would you trade him to? 
That's a good question. It kind of depends on who's willing to take him and what are they willing to give back. If you're able to get a really good pitcher back, perhaps, like someone who could really add solid depth to the rotation, then if you could trade him and maybe package somebody else to add to the sweetness of the deal, maybe, then, yeah, I would I would get rid of him, yeah. I would. Like I, like I said, even though I acknowledge that for a second baseman, Glaber Torres' numbers were not brutal on the whole, um, there were a lot of times throughout the season where, again, he looked like the Glaber Torres of last year in 2021, which is not any sort of a player you want any memory of. So, I think Glaber still has that tendency to, to just slump for an extended amount of time and just not really play smart baseball at all just tends to zone out on the field at times. It just, just like his head is not really in the game all the way. He's not mentally really with it. So that's why I really wouldn't be destroyed if Glaber goes. I really wouldn't be. I was impressed with the defense that he played at second base yet again. He made his mistakes, you know, like anybody does. People will definitely look back at game four, of course, but I, I tend to look more at IKF about that as well. But anyways, we've already spoken about that. But yeah, especially if it's for the right guy back. Yeah, I, I would I would trade him. Next we've got at NYY Sports Fan96 asking, what do the Yankees need to do to get past Houston next year? Oh boy. The million dollar question, isn't it? Yep. Well, first off, they gotta try to be totally healthy, because like I said. You know, although injuries weren't the main reason, although Cashman will try to sell you on that, the injuries being the main reason they lost, they did play a role. So try to be as healthy as you possibly can. Um, maybe actually play guys who will give the team the best chance to win, i.e. not Donaldson, Hicks, IKF. And yeah, certain guys played because certain guys were hurt. But you also could have done things to ensure that guys played where they were supposed to. Like, they still didn't have to play Aaron Hicks the way they did. They could have played Oswald Peraza more. You know, So and that was just part of the Yankees' stubbornness. They didn't put the best possible product out on the field. And they used injuries as an excuse for all of them, even though maybe they could be used as an excuse for some of them, maybe. But you're still the Yankees. You know, figure it the hell out. So, yeah, try to give yourself the best chance possible to win by playing guys who should be playing and where they should be playing as well. Try scoring some freaking runs because most of the time, except for game four, but most of the time against the Astros, the main problem, especially in 2022, was the fact that they didn't score enough runs, especially when they play in Houston. They can't score or win there. So try scoring some runs. Try to be as healthy as you possibly can be. And maybe you'll have a shot. Maybe. Who knows? So yeah, those are a couple of things that could help because the main thing... Like I said, except for Game Four, is they didn't they didn't hit at all, and even when they got traffic on the bases, they couldn't come through. So try hitting and try to be healthier. Maybe sign guys and have more guys in the lineup and on the team overall that give you a better chance to win, and not guys just constantly dragging you down. Every time they step up to the plate or they make a mistake in the field, that could probably help some things. Next, we've got Rebecca at Peace Now for Life asking, Hi, Mike. What do you think happens with shortstop next year? Will it be IKF, one of the kids? 
or will they sign or trade for a shortstop? I honestly don't know. And the Yankees didn't really give us much to work off of. Basically just said, oh, you know, there'll probably be some competition there. But they seem to, you know, still love IKF guys. So who the hell knows? Who really knows? If they bring IKF back to be the starting shortstop for even a chunk of the year, then they're just not serious. They're not. Because IKF is not a shortstop. He's a better third baseman. If you want to put him anywhere, you put him at third base. I wouldn't put him anywhere beyond utility. And if you need someone to man third base for a day, I'd put IKF at third base. I don't have him touching shortstop anymore. He just can't play there. Doesn't have terrific range, and he doesn't have the arm for it. So, I think it should be one of the kids. I don't know what the Yankees are going to do. I mean, I, I could see them forcing IKF back. I mean, they haven't even, even officially brought him back yet. He's still under arbitration for this coming year, and then he's he's an unrestricted free agent in 2024. So, I don't know their plans for IKF as of now. Um, I would not have him in any other capacity other than utility, as you know. But I would have the kids. I know a lot of people out there want them to bring in a Trey Turner, for instance, especially because he's around now. Uh, I definitely would not be opposed to bringing in a Trey Turner, of course, <laughs> especially after watching them pass up on all the big-time shortstops last winter, and one of the reasons being given for that was because, oh, they probably have in the back of their minds of having to pay Judge, so, you know, we'll see if they even pay Judge now. I still think Judge will be back, personally, um, but if they don't pay Judge, then it gives them even less of a leg to stand on as far as reasons for not bringing in a big-time shortstop last winter. So things just continuing to pile on top of each other. <laughs> so I think it should be one of the kids. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. It's a good question. Um, it better be one of the kids. I want Peraza, if they don't trade him at some point, package him somewhere. I would really like Peraza, if he's still around, come spring training to get a fair shot there. I really would like that. At Laura underscore Icemont. There's Laura. <laughs> Laura asks, hypothetically, who should be the Yankees' third baseman next year? IKF or Donaldson? C, none of the above. I think it would be best if DJ gets a lot of looks there, and you have Peraza at shortstop and Cabrera or Volpe at second base. Just use the kids. Use them. That's just how I feel at this point. I mean, a lot of people may not feel safe in doing that, but that's that's just how I feel. All right, let's just do a couple more. Up next is my friend Spencer at Musician DMD, and Spencer says, how do you feel about the New York Yankees now sharing the distinction of being the only teams to toss World Series no-hitters? I don't like sharing that distinction. I see it as another jab by Houston on top of their humiliating sweep, especially because it was a combined no-hitter. To me, combined no-hitters cheapen the prestige of pitching a true no-hitter. It doesn't compare to one pitcher securing 27 outs without giving up a hit. The Astros' accomplishment will never supersede what Larson did, but it's disheartening it has any share of the distinction. Yeah, it's pretty bothersome, I guess. But, I mean, you could partially blame the Yankees for even having them have an opportunity at such a sharing of that distinction. Because the Yankees could have just taken care of business and beaten Houston in the ALCS, but no, they can't beat them for the if their lives depended on it. So, yeah, I mean, listen, it's no doubt 
that it's not as special as Larson because Larson was a perfect game. <laughs> and a combined no-hitter, I mean, some people argue that a combined no-hitter is even harder than a regular no-hitter for a pitcher because at least for a regular pitcher, you know, it's the same guy and they get to go through the whole game and you have to rely on multiple arms to continue that going in, in a combined no-hitter. But also the guys coming out of the bullpen are also fresh arms and new looks for the batters. It also is very hard for the same pitcher to do it because, you know, the lineup goes around and around and around and they get more looks at them, which gives the hitter more of an opportunity to see more pitches and eventually break through against the pitcher. So, yeah, combined no-hitter to me is, of course, the least special out of a perfect game, a true no-hitter of just one pitcher doing it, and then a combined no-hitter. A combined no-hitter is still impressive. Because again, those guys coming out of the bullpen still need to carry it along and have their stuff and get the outs and not allow a hit. So it is impressive in its own right, but the least impressive of the three. And I'm not saying that because I don't like the Astros. I've always said that, regardless of who it is. I'd say that if the Yankees did it. I don't care. So, yeah, I mean, listen, if they want to say that it's as special as Don Larson, then let them say it. It's not true because Larson was a perfect game. A perfect game is better than a no-hitter, because no-hitter, you know, you're at least allowing walks or making error or something. Perfect game is immaculate. So it's not even a debate as to which is more impressive. And that has nothing to do with bias. But I mean, listen, this sort of a thing is usually not done in the World Series, and a no-hitter of any kind, combined or not, has not been done since Larson in the World Series. So it does deserve its commendment. Does it bother me? Hell yeah, it does. Just like it bothers me in admitting that the Astros just own us. They own the Yankees. So that bothers me too, but you also have to acknowledge reality, and I guess I do too here. It's still an impressive feat. It's done in the World Series, and a no-hitter of any kind has not been done in the World Series since Larson, whether it be a true no-hitter with just one pitcher or a combined no-hitter with bullpen arms involved. So, yeah, Spencer, it bothers the hell out of me, but you know what? It happened, and kudos to them for doing it. So, yeah, they, they deserve the credit. And I'm definitely sick and tired of saying that because <laughs> Lord knows I don't want anything good to happen for Houston. But hey, like I said earlier, they're just better than everybody. They were better than everybody. All right, let's do the final two as usual. First up, my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and she asks, how would you reconstruct the infield for next season and why? Well, as I've said, just, I would just dump off Donaldson any way you can, whether it be eating most of or all of his contract and just finding a way to package him off, or if you're going to eat all the money, just cut him. I mean, really. And you can't have IKF as the starting everyday guy. So if you just, if you don't let him go and you only have him as utility, fine. But the starting infield has got to be DJ at third base, especially because he proved that he could play the position really well this past year. You put Peraza at shortstop if you don't package him off. Because again, if these things happen this winter, then this, you know, this puts all that to bed. You know, you have to figure out something else for shortstop. But as of right now, where we stand on November 6th, DJ at third, Peraza at short, and Cabrera at least to start the season at second base, I guess, Oswaldo Cabrera. But if you don't care for manipulating Volpe's service time, and if you deem that he's ready after he continues to kill it in AAA and does a great job in spring training even, maybe, then Volpe at second base, and you bring Rizzo back for first base. So basically, everything from the way it started last year 
in 2022. In the infield, basically every position except for first base is changing. In my, If it were my team, that's how it would change. Every position except for first base would be different. I'm bringing Rizzo back because he's a lefty. He's a big-time power guy. Nothing even needs to be said about his fielding. We know how valuable that is. And we know how invaluable he is as far as his clubhouse presence and his leadership with the team, being a former world champion himself, knowing what it takes to win, and how great did he do in the playoffs this past postseason in 2022, even though none of us want to think about it because of the way it ended and the way it went overall. But I would say the two best hitters in the playoffs were Bader and Rizzo. So what does that tell you? It tells you that they should bring Rizzo back. That's what it tells you. That's what it tells me, at least. Lefty bat in the lineup provides balance. What reason is there not to bring him back? Yeah, so from left to right, DJ, Peraza, Cabrera slash Volpe, I guess, and Rizzo. That's my infield. All right, last but certainly not least, as usual, my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, she asks, Why do you think Hal Steinbrenner wants to hold on to the Yankee team, given he doesn't seem to care about how well they can do in winning a championship? I wish he would sell. He's a horrible owner with making miserable decisions. I fear Judge will leave us because of it. I can't stand Cashman. I would use different words, but can't on this podcast. I feel hopeless. (laughs) Also, do you think Judge, even if paid the salary he wants by the Yankees, do you fear, as I do, the fact that Aaron wants to be on a team that has the best chance of winning the World Series and the Yankees may not be that? Would he end up leaving? All right, well, like I said before, I already kind of answered that with my Hal Steinbrenner sentiments from earlier, saying that he's staying around because of the revenue still being brought in from all avenues, from people buying merch, from TV deals, from people going to the games, the Yankees having successful regular seasons and going to the playoffs, no matter how early it is they get eliminated or late it is that they get eliminated. And he's content with that because the money continues to pour in for the seven billion dollar worth Yankee organization. That's why he sticks around. And Cashman is so trusted amongst him and all the people around him that he's given the keys to the castle. This is Brian Cashman's organization. Which is why I feel that as long as he is there, we're not going to see any needed changes made with this process that they're so adamant in following to the T. So... That's why Hal doesn't leave. He has no reason to. Still making a crap ton of money as a Yankee owner, so why would he leave? And with Judge, well, listen, you know that I think he's going to be back, so it's kind of moot to even talk about it, as far as I'm concerned, at least. But, yeah, I can't imagine that Judge is satisfied with the continual coming up short annually every year at the Yankees. I can't imagine he's happy about that. Because this is a guy who says he just wants to win. And even amidst his home run chase, he said, oh, if I get it, great. If not, then whatever, as long as we win. He just cares about winning. So, who knows? I mean, there's a chance he could leave. There's a chance. I'm not saying there's no chance. I just think that ultimately, no matter how long this will go on, no matter how torturous it gets, and it probably will get both of those things, (laughs) I do think ultimately he'll find his way back. But if the Yankees lowball him, which they could do, because their priorities aren't exactly straight. You know, they'll give Josh Donaldson $25 million, but they might lowball Judge. Who knows? They tend to spend in areas where you really shouldn't spend. And that's really the Yankees' problem. Not the fact that 
you know, they could afford to have as even bigger a payroll than they already have because they're the Yankees. They could do whatever they want financially. Don't listen to any of the crap about being financially responsible and all that crap. Don't feed into it. Don't. <laughs> I mean, everybody has to be financially responsible, but just, it's the Yankees. <laughs> just don't let them fool you with any of that. Just don't. It's all crap. But another big part of the problem is being given the amount of money that Cashman is given to spend and just not spending it in the right areas. You know, spending it on guys like Jacoby Ellsbury in the past, for instance. Giving Josh Donaldson $25 million, being willing to take on that contract of his that Minnesota had. You know, all the way going back to his MVP days with the Blue Jays. And giving relievers monster contracts. You know, it's just, it's a bunch of instances of just irresponsible spending. So, who knows if that irresponsible spending and their unwillingness to just get rid of it by eating a chunk of it or all of it will affect what they offer Judge. But it'll certainly make people lose even more respect for the organization than they already have if they do lowball him and end up losing him ultimately because a big reason, like I said before, for not signing a needed big shortstop last offseason... A big reason for the Yankees not doing that and settling with a placeholder like IKF is because of the fact that in the back of their minds they were thinking about paying Judge. And if they don't, I mean, (laughs) you lose any and all legs that you ever had to stand on. And any and all respect that anybody had. So, yeah, I don't know. Listen, it's always possible he could leave, but I think ultimately he'll be back. All right. So this episode was kind of all over the place, wasn't it? Had a lot to talk about with continuing to set the table for the offseason. And, of course, did my tribute to my dear friend Rob. And everybody, definitely say your prayers for him and his entire family, please. And talking about the press conference and also hitting on the Astros winning last night and just a lot on the table. So a lot to talk about this official first off-season episode. Again, I will be back at you next week and probably even the week after that before I start this every other week thing. I definitely do want to still be with you every week to start the off-season for the beginnings of things going on. We'll see what continues to happen in people talking about Aaron Judge constantly with Anthony Rizzo as well since he's opted out. And we'll continue to see what happens with awards being given out going forward. A lot that'll continue to happen here at the beginning of the offseason that really has just officially begun officially today with the conclusion of the World Series last night. But as for now, that is really all for episode 162 of Yapping Yankees today, my friends. Remember to follow me on all social medias if you don't already. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is Mike Scuds. 97. Please subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all of them. And if you have the time, if you missed any of the past Yapping Yankees episodes prior to this one, episodes 34 all the way up to 162 today are all available on YouTube. And every single Yapping Yankees episode ever, going all the way back to episode one, all the way up to today, are available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today, my friends. As always, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, 
And I will talk to you next Sunday, November the 13th, when we'll already be in the middle of November. (laughs) Oh, gosh. When I come at you with episode 163 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, hang in there. Try to be patient with this offseason beginning. (laughs) Stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. And why don't you go ahead, and despite how tough life may be, and kick life's ass this week, my friends, and I'll try my best to do the very same. Until then, I will talk to you next weekend with any and all off-season updates that there might be by then. But until then, you go right ahead and have yourself a good week. I'll talk to you next Sunday. Take care. (laughs) 